Marlo, Marlo, testing, testing you. Hey, can you Marlo? Can you hear me? Hear me? Yes, can you hear no, me? No, you got to turn, turn it up a little bit. Let me try to turn it up. Okay, Marlo, testing. Yes, can you hear me? Great, great. I'll put you on mute. All righty. Coach, uh, Coach Simon, can you hear me? It's Dr. Bird. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? No, I can't hear you at all. Uh oh, you got to turn your mic up or see if you can step closer. I'm not sure. Barely can hear you. Can you hear me now? No. Let me see if I can turn mine up. You're barely coming in. Okay, and sometimes you may have to go out and come back in and help. We'll see. Okay. All right. Come back to you in a second. Coach Sam? Okay. All right. Give me just one second. Yeah, maybe I have to turn the volume up in the headset. We'll see. Okay. 
Keep working. Jim? Yes. Can you come, come on in, can you hear me? Do you hear me? You loud and clear. All right. Yep. All right, we'll go back to mute. Great. All right. We're still on Coach Simon here. Um, okay. Coach, let's see how you sound. Coach, can you hear me? I'm not coming at all. Yeah, but you're not coming in hardly at all. No, hard to hear you. Do you have speakers? I mean, a, a volume in the headset? My volume is up. You still can't hear me. No, let me see if I can turn my volume up. Okay, speak some more. Okay, speak some more. Okay, testing. That's better. That's better. A little bit more. A little bit more. Testing, testing. That's better. That's Dr. Kim, can you hear the coach? I can hear him, um, but he, if he can, can speak him. in a little louder, that would be helpful. Okay, can you hear me now? I can. I can. That's better. That's better. Okay, good. Okay, good. All right, Jim, All right. can you hear Coach? Yes. Coach, are you close to the mic? Are you close to the mic? How about this? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Coach, right. do you have do you have an earpiece in? Well, I, I I had my headphones on, and then I came in and uh, hooked it up to my car, so I can I can try the headphones again. Uh, uh... This sounds that good. Why? Why? Yeah, this this sounds good. This sounds good. Okay. All right. Yeah, just speak as loud as you can. And uh, when it's time, we're gonna mute everybody. And we're about to get started. Uh, coach will introduce you about 25 minutes after, and we'll have the interview from about 8.30, 9 o'clock. Coach will you first. Thanks so much for coming. Okay. All right, now. Yeah.
10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Good evening, and welcome to another evening of Dr. Clifford and Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports and HBCU athletics. And as usual, we start a little early tonight because we want to talk about some issues in the world before we get to sports. And this is very important. Um, first, I'm going to let my co-host, Dr. Marlo Kemp, I'm going to unmic her and tell him, hello, Dr. Kemp. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining in. All righty. My other co-host, my partner from Fisk University, Jim Waddell. Jim, tell everybody hello. Hey, hey, it's a glorious day. <laughs> yes, in the is. land of Las Vegas. <laughs> Listen, we're going to have a great show. We have Coach Jacob Simon. We're going to highlight not only Oakwood's athletic, but Oakwood University, special, special university in Huntsville, Alabama, a little later on. Before we get to that, uh, we're going to have a 15-second moment of silence. We have some serious issues to talk about. Amen. Okay. Sadly, Jim Harlow, we're starting out our show. Two shootings, HBCUs, Morgan State, I believe on a Saturday, and they were forced to cancel homecoming activities for their school. And then uh, Bowie State invited Morgan State students to enjoy their homecoming the next week. And there's a shooting on Bowie State's campus. Five shots on Morgan State, two on Bowie State. I don't think they've apprehended anybody yet. Uh, your thoughts, Dr. Kemp? I'm coming to you first. Yeah, here we <clears throat> here we go again. You know, it's just I don't understand why people feel the need, you know, when it's a joyous occasion that they have to ruin it for everyone and feel like they have to, you know, just go out shooting. Um, and as far as I am aware, um, I don't even think that the students that were actually the alleged, the alleged shooters um, were actually students of um, the universities, you know, and everybody knows every year that homecoming comes around, everyone's excited. It's excitement for the school, the community, and it's just sad, you know, that we're at a at at this state, you know, where just a few people want to ruin it and feel like they have the privilege to do that and, and shoot, you know, just because, you know, they want to or they can't settle, you know, their beef, you know, um, just, uh, you know, just just unnecessarily, you know, without shooting someone. So yeah. it, it's, it's sad. Yeah. And uh, another thing, and Jim, I'm coming to you, uh, HBCUs, as we know, many are struggling, underfunded, and one of the major fundraising times is doing homecoming weekend. And so uh, for Morgan State and things that were dampened at the uh, buoy, now you're hitting us even worse. Well, both lives lost and the pocket of our universities is a tough thing. Jim, what's your thoughts on this? 
a Morgan State. They were coming out of Mr. and Mrs. Morgan State competition mm-hmm. when the shootings rang out. I think there were five shot, no fatalities. And Bowie State, I'm just hearing about this, but there were two shots. There were no fatalities there, right? Correct. Okay, it's still, it's still, you know, time of innocence and time where you're supposed to have fun homecoming should not be marred by some shooting of an out from an outside source. Mm-hmm. We've got to do better. So far, the policeman has said that these are isolated campus incidents different than the racially motivated incident down at Edward Waters a few weeks, uh, a weeks ago. But, um, you know, we just got to, as a society, we've got to do better. And we're just going to continue to pray and vote for whoever we can. Hopefully one day there'll be some kind of gun control legislation and uh, pray for your children because all these children on every campus, black campuses and white campuses Mm -hmm. are our children. And uh, mm-hmm. it's a parent's worst nightmare, worst, worst nightmare. So we will keep on top of these stories and pray that our presidents and security teams, along with the good Lord, do the best we can to keep our children safe. Okay. okay. Now, we went to bed peacefully Friday. We wake up and on the other side of the world, the reigniting of one of the worst bloodsheds in all the years of their fighting over on the Gaza Strip with Palestine and Israel. Over 1,000 Israel people were killed, over 900 Palestinian, and it's just getting worse. And this is a, a, a war that's gone on seven decades. That's Kim, your thoughts. It is just unbelievable, Dr. Burt, um, Jim. It's just, you know, it's just hard to you know, you want to see the news so you can just kind of catch up on what's going on. But just to see um, just th- this whole situation and it's playing out, you know, in the world. And it is just really, really sad. And I, I'm, I'm just praying. I, I don't know what to say. You know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you do? It, it's really sad. All over the land of the land. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Claim territory that's been going on since, I believe, 1949. Uh, Jim. Cliff, some of this stuff is going on since biblical times. Well, just to be real with you. Yeah, but the claiming. You know. Go ahead. And I think one thing that's happened here that is sad, when people come out and speak to be pro-Palestinian because that's where they're from, they've been canceled. And we had to be careful about these things because, you know, there are two sides to every story. And I'm not getting in who's right, who's wrong, but let's try to let's try to broker a settlement rather than cancel people because they feel a yeah. certain way. Yeah. yeah. We will continue to stay on top of it. We'll continue to pray for it because all of them and all of us belong to the man upstairs. Mm-hmm. Not to count. This month, tell us about the special month that we're in, Dr. Kemp. Oh, just want to remind everyone, this is October. This is, uh, they usually celebrate uh, the breast cancer awareness. So just want to make sure that women and both men, because men can also get breast cancer, make sure 
that you go get your mammograms and just get checked out. Um, as you know, during football season around this time, everybody is pinked out. So <laughs> just make sure that we support the survivors, those that are going through breast cancer, and please just make sure everyone go get um, screened and just continue to be safe and proactive. Mm -hmm. Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yes, we will definitely, definitely, definitely keep our cheering and stay behind this great cause. We want to welcome the CEO of For the Love Tennis Company, Sheila Townsend, to the show. She's in the audience. All right, here we go. Our Women of the Month. And believe it or not, Jim, next month will be November, where we all started. But our woman of the month, none other than Florence Joyner Griffin, the fastest woman in the world. Her record still stands. And tonight, we'll talk about her early life. Griffin was born in Los Angeles, California, the seventh of 11 children, born to Robert, an electrician, and Florence Griffin, a seamstress. The family lived in Little Rock, California, before Florence Griffin moved her children to the Jordan Downs Public Housing Complex, located in the Watt section of Los Angeles. When Griffin was in elementary school, she joined the Sugar Ray Robinson organization running in track meets on weekends. She won the Jesse Owens National Youth Games two years in a row at the ages of 14 and 15. Griffin ran track at Jordan High School in Los Angeles and showing an early interest in fashion, Griffin persuaded the members of the track team to wear tights with the uniforms. As a high school senior in 1978, she finished sixth at the CIF California State meet behind future teammates Alice Bram and Pam Marshall. By the time she graduated from Jordan High School in 1978, she had set high school records in sprinting and the long jump. So Dr. Kemp, early life, Florence, Joyner Griffith, what do you think? Flo Joe, I just love Flo Joe. Um, and who knew that she was definitely like seventh of 11 children? I mean, yeah. you know, you would just, we would never think that. And so now we just know it was confirmed where we know she got the fashion from, from her mom, Miss Floyd, who started it all for us. So we yes. saw the products, some of the products of Flo Joe. <laughs> Jim, Flo Joe. Well, you know, a lot of times you find your better athletes are fan in big families because they had to fight, <laughs> run, and scrap to get to the dinner table. And you know, Flojo was one of a kind. I was reading up on her where she um, went to Cal State North, Cal State first, which she met up with Bob Kersey. She had to drop out of school to make money for the family. And then she joined up with Bob Kersey again when he got the job at UCLA. So she is a one of a kind and she's sorely missed. Yes, she is. Um, I also used to say when I watched her, She's poetry in motion, but you only give about 10 seconds of it, so don't miss it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, Yeah, that stride and that turnover was something else. We're going to talk more about her college education. Uh, we'll talk about her records and we have it the rest of the month. And uh, a little controversy in her career, too, but we'll talk about it as well. None other, our Woman of the Month, Miss Florence Joyner Griffin. Yeah. All right. Now, we always highlight women in executive positions in sports or women who help develop sports. And this week is no different. We have a very, very special 
young lady. Her name was Katrina M. Adams. Katrina M. Adams. She was born August 5th, 1968. She's from your hometown, Chicago, Dr. Kemp. She's an American tennis executive and a former tennis player from Chicago. She's president and CEO of the United States Tennis Association and chair U.S. Open, as well as chair of the International Tennis Federation of Fed Cup and Gender Equality and Tennis Committee. As a player, Adams is a double specialist, reached the quarterfinal stage of better at all four Grand Slams, as well as achieving a career high doubles ranking of number eight in August of 1989. She has a book, Own the Arena, Getting Head, Make a Difference, and the seating, Sex Feeding as the Only One was published in 2021. And in her career as a player, she earned $1,294,235. So this woman has moved the sport forward. What do you think? Dr. Kemp, have you heard of this one? I'll start off with saying, as usual, Dr. Berg, thanks for always bringing the special women to the forefront. No, I had not heard of Ms. Katrina M. Adams, and it goes to show you, as usual, great things come out of Chicago. <laughs> but no, I have not. I didn't hear about her, and um, definitely, she is definitely a success story. We're definitely proud of her. Um, just also to add that she was the first Illinois high school associate and first public school school singles champion in 1983 and 1984. She went to Northwestern. She won the NCAA doubles titles with Diane Donnelly, Donnelly in 1987 and was twice voted an All um, She also partnered and won matches with the, uh, with Zena Garrison. Um, so we all remember Zena playing tennis. Um, that included the 1988 World Doubles Championship. So definitely thank you for bringing her to the forefront. We definitely appreciate this story. Jim, Ms. Adams. Well, not, not only is she the first African-American, she's also the youngest person ever to serve as chair, president and chairman and CEO of the U.S. United States Tennis Association. You know, as Marlo said, you know, it's hard to go out to Marlo because she gets all the information. But <laughs> from Chicago, a graduate of Whitney Young and went to Northwestern. So, isn't that where Michelle you know, Obama went later on? Whitney Young, uh, yes, she, yes, it is. Whitney Young, yeah. Well, no, yeah. Michelle Obama was there before her, but yeah. Okay. She. Whitney Young puts out a lot of great graduates out of the city of Chicago. Absolutely. All right. Ms. Katrina Adams, our Women Executive of the Week, moving things forward. We want to welcome Fisk University's 2021 Basketball Hall of Famer to the show. It's Renee Spencer. Hello, Renee. All right. Now, unfortunately, we have to report this. Virginia State Lady Trojan soccer team uh, recently, about a week ago, went to play a soccer game against Guilford College. And um, unfortunately, during this match, many of the fans at Guilford College uh, were yelling the N-word, racial slurs, uh, making monkey noises directed at Virginia State women. And uh, of course, Virginia State 
administration demanded an apology. Dr. Kyle Fombry did apologize publicly for Guilford, and she said that um, Guilford students, faculty, and staff are writing response to a very concerning situation at our women's soccer game at Virginia State University on campus last night. Spectators associated with Guilford College directed very disrespectful comments toward the visiting players, tarnished the experience of those who attended, and especially our guests. So here we are, 2023, and our young ladies are having experience that on the road playing soccer. Jim, I'm gonna come to you first. Give me your thoughts. And anybody can type in the chat. You know, it's sad that in 2023 we still have to deal with things like this. And you know, with you know, both of my youngest both played on the uh travel soccer tournament. And you know, you see you saw a lot of it there, you know. Jordan was getting uh, razzed about his hair by a grown man. You know, it's just crazy. And I think these people need to be identified and not allowed to go back. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you're playing a game that has no place there. None. In other words, beyond the letter of apology, some discipline measures towards their fans, or at least being banned from their stadiums, embarrassing the university that way. Dr. Kemp, what are your your thoughts? Yeah, as Jim said, you know, it's ridiculous. It's still in this day and age and times that, you know, grown people, um, assuming grown people, grown people, there's, you know, they're still acting like this and, you know, um, calling names and, and, you know, just taunting, you know, student athletes when all they're trying to do is just come to play a game. And I Mm -hmm. totally agree. Too bad we can't identify them so they can, you know, be barred from participating in um, any any of the sports, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope the ladies, uh, Virginia Trojan, I think that's their name, Trojans, uh, keep their keep their head up and, um, and their, their AD and everybody know that that's not reflective or diminishes who they are in any way. And... Uh, and we'll pray that we can move forward. We'll pray that we can move forward. Virginia State, keep your head up. Also, I applaud the president of Guilford for not making excuses for coming out and saying we have to do better. We have to do better. Well, we've been talking about it, team, for almost a year now. The WNBA <clears throat> needs more teams. It's been announced the Bay Area, the uh, Golden State Warriors, are going to have in 2025 a new team in the WNBA as well to go with their franchise. So, well, what do you think, Jim? We've been waiting on it. Yes. A couple of things. A couple of things on that. Number one, I believe they're not going to play at the Chase Center. They're going to be back in Oakland. Okay. Which is good for the city of Oakland. And the second thing is I believe that they were they're going to have a team in Portland. Wow. I know a lot of people wanted Toronto, but they bowed out late. But I think Portland should be a good place to have a team as well. So that'll be from 144. Now we will have 156. hundred yeah. 68 if two teams. 68 if two teams come in. Mm-hmm. 
Wonderful. So this is this is great news. All right. WNBA expanding and growing. Which leads us into our next story. All right. Game one of the, game one of the championship. WNBA finals is down. And the Las Vegas Aces took care of business. Uh, if Courtney Vandersloot for the Liberty and Ionescu, Sabrina, can't play Chelsea Gray and Kelsey Plum. And who's that third one? Oh, there's three of them. The other guard. Asian. Oh. No, no. The other guard. Jackie Young. Jackie oh, Young. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, if they can't play them any better, this series is going to be 3 0. I'm gonna come to you, Dr. Kemp, first, and I'll come back to you, Jim. And um, and before we do, Renee Spencer says, long overdue for an additional WMA team. This is great. We agree. We agree. All righty. Dr. Kemp, WMA finals, game one. Well, game one was a good one. You know, they had you on the edge of your seat for the first three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> back to back. Then the Las Vegas was like, you know what? We we tired of this. We let, let's just take them out of here. Cause I mean, they was killing the Liberty. And That's I was playing all the way. Them guards was letting the Liberty have it. Um, like you said, Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, they were not playing. And Adrian Wilson, she was blocking everything that was going <laughs> on in the air. Yeah. Jim yeah. love it. Made it exciting. So what, what'd you say, Marlo? They thought it was Burger King because they were having it their way. But um, you know, it's one game. You know, a lot of times you go back and make adjustments. But you're right. If they can't find any way to slow those guards down, it will be a short series. And yeah. quick fact: you know, Kelsey Plum is married to the New York Giants tight end Darren Waller. Wow. So he he maybe, might be the only one in New York cheering for the Aces. Well, maybe she could come play for the Giants and they could win some games. <laughs> but that's for your segment. That's on your segment. We'll get there in a few minutes, Jim. We'll get there in a few minutes. <laughs> All right. What we're going to do, we're going to go to commercial. Jim, Marlo, we're going to go over the volleyball next week to catch everybody up. But before we go to commercial, Jim, let's talk about we lost a great one in football, okay? And that is none other than the Dick Buckus, right? And uh, 80 years old, he passed, and uh, he's Chicago Bears' greatest linebacker, they say. And um, he was on the all-decade team for the 60s and 70s and, and, and just a heck of a football player. And so, Jim, give me your thoughts before we go to commercial break, and then we'll come back with all of the football on remembering Hall of Famer, Dick Buckus. I um, just saw a stat this week that Dick Buckus and Gail Sayers were drafted third and fourth in the 1965 draft. Mm -hmm. So you have two Hall of Famers, and even better than Hall of Famers, probably some of the top players at their position drafted in one draft by one team. Dick Buckus was was feared. He, I saw something yeah. today. OJ said that was one guy he feared. <laughs> but um, yeah. you know, he was feared. Legend has it in Detroit. We were playing the Bears in 1971, 
And there was a wide receiver named Chuck Hughes. He went across the middle and was hit by Buckus. And then two plays later, he collapsed and mm. died in the hospital. Yeah. But, you know, Dick Buckus was feared by everyone who played the game. You always had to look around to figure out where he was because you did not want to get hit by him. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we'll miss him. Dick Buckus, best in peace. We're going to take a 30-second commercial, Jim. We're going to come right back with uh, HBC football. You'll take it away for us the next decade. Okay? Here we go. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. Jim, football. Well, I am briefly going to go over the uh, standings because in the SWAC, Florida and M is, you know, by far now out 4 0. And I think they've beaten their two closest competitors in the East. But in the West, you have a four, basically a four way tie. With Southern Alcorn State, Gramlin State, Prairie View A and M. Prairie View A and M is three and one, but the other three are two and one. So that's going to come down to the wire to see who plays the SWAC championship in uh, New Orleans on the twenty fifth of November. In the MEAC, you've got North Carolina Central out in front. And Howard is is behind with two, two and three in the conference, but North Carolina State is routinely the rank this for this year the best team in HBCU football. In the uh, CIAA, you've got Virginia State on top with a four and zero record, and on the other side, Fayetteville also has a four and zero record. And in the SIAC. Benedict College, which is 6-0, is on top. Followed by Fort Valley State is 5-0, and and Tuskegee and Albany State are 4-0 in the conference. So this will be, a, when they start playing each other, this will be an exciting time. Now, as for the games this week, Tennessee State defeated Kennesaw State. And they were able there. They're ranked number number two, as you'll find out later in the uh, on in the poll for the black college teams. Benedict ran its conference oh, streak. Oh, hold up, Jim. The Tennessee State wins on behalf of Dr. Uh, Kemp. We got to give a clap. You know how that goes every week. <laughs> yeah, you know. That's the school that I got my certification from, so I feel that way too. All right. Now, Benedict played undefeated Miles this week, and Benedict won 27-24, defeating Miles. They have a 13-game winning streak against the SIAC teams dating back to 2021. They jumped out to 21-3 lead, and then Miles scored three unanswered touchdowns, take the lead 24-21. 
first time they trailed since 2021. And they came back, answered the calls with a game-winning touchdown to remain unbeat. Now, we talked about Tennessee State beating Kennesaw State uh, at Kennesaw State 27-20. And their record is 3-2 and two in the conference. Next, Howard played a Northwestern team that is basically 500 looking to play a bowl in the uh, Division One, and they Howard came back and came up short 23 to 20. Mm. Now, the thing about Howard is they've played the uh, Division One teams tough, but then they've uh, had some poor games against teams in their own division. So they're ranked high, but a lot of it is because of their play, not in the MEAC, but outside the MEAC. Mm-hmm. Now, as I said before, Florida A&M won over Southern. He said um, the quarterback Musa threw a touchdown pass late in the game to pull that one out. Next. We've got Alcorn State, which is one of those teams in the West that's up. They beat Grambling for homecoming. All right, now. 25 to 24. All right. So it's a very happy time there. And uh, I'm going to give them a hand, Jim, because they had another one of those oh, teams. Yeah. That I don't think they was Steve McNair was there. Same thing I said about Mississippi Valley State, Jerry Rice. But anyway, you go. <laughs> yeah, Steve McNair. And um, his brother Fred, I believe, still is the coach there. And Prairie View beat Mississippi Valley State 31-12. to 12. As you said, poor Mississippi Valley State hadn't had a team since Jerry Rice. Since Jerry Rice was there. Now, in terms of the uh, black college football <laughs> rankings, We've got, like I said, uh, Florida Central is by far the best team. Then they have TSU, then FAMU up there. Then you've got a lot of log jam in the uh, SWAC with, well, Howard breaks up. Howard is number five. I'm fumbling around here because I'm looking to get my rankings, but here it is. Sorry about that. Week six, you've got North Carolina Central, Florida A&M, then Hampton, Jackson State, Tennessee State, Howard, Grambling, Alabama A&M, Prairie View A&M, and and Alcorn State with Southern close-looking uh, out at number 11 on the outside looking in. All right. Now, I think we're going oh, to go to the top 10. Okay. And Michigan and Georgia held, you know, both mm-hmm. of them played strong games this week. And they still are number one and number two. But number three, Texas lost to Oklahoma yeah. as Oklahoma – quarterback threw a touchdown pass with 19 seconds left. 
to win that uh, the uh, shootout that's always held in Dallas. Ohio State beat Maryland. Number five, six, and seven, Oregon, Washington, and another all did not play. I'm Penn State, all did not play. So then you've got USC played another lackluster game. Florida State won, going away. USC won another lackluster game, beating Arizona 43-41 to 41 in triple overtime. Mm. You know, they're being hurt by their lack of defense. And to be honest with you, the uh, reigning Heisman uh, quarterback did not have a great game by his standards. Yeah. And rounding off the top 10, Notre Dame lost to Louisville 20 to mm. 33. And I'm really hoping that Marcus Freeman is not going to bear the brunt of that. The, the African-American head coach at Notre Dame. That game, was that Louisville? I believe so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Louisville won. Now, to yeah, they, they won going, it wasn't close, 20 to 33. Now we've got, well, we've got the NFL rundown, which, you know, I don't want to make my friend, uh, fellow fist guy, mad at me. So I'm going to start out with the Dallas Cowboys. Because I know Renee got on me because I didn't mention the Cowboys. The Cowboys, I, 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 I can't put my finger on this year. They look like world beaters at some time. And then this game, they look like they had no answers. They lost on Sunday night to the 49ers, 42 to 10. And there's talk now of Brock Purdy being touted for the MVP of the league after being the last player drafted last year. The Chiefs were able to hold on to the Vikings. Uh, there's a, uh, some, I think there's an injury to Travis Kelsey. But the Chiefs will be all right. And uh, Justin Jefferson also was hurt in that game, put on IR. In terms of the uh, Nathaniel Hackett Bowl, the New York Jets beat the Broncos 31-21. to And why do I call it the Nathaniel Hackett Bowl? Nathaniel. <laughs> uh, Nathaniel Hackett used to coach the Broncos last year. And when Sean Payton got the job, he said that was absolutely one of the worst coaching jobs he had ever seen being done by Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos. So they dedicated and gave Nathaniel Hackett a game ball for this game. The Bengals beat the Cardinals 34-20. Eagles beat the Rams 23-14. The Steelers beat the Ravens. Now let's listen to the commentator talk. And he said all the games the Steelers play are tough, but this game against the Ravens is always tough. You you got out tough the Ravens to win that game. The Saints beat the Patriots 34 to zip, which uh, uh, the quarterback, Mac Jones, was benched again. And there's talk that Belichick might not survive after the year. Because they've lost two games going away poorly, these last two games. 
the Giants, which uh, I looked at a ranking of by ESPN, might be the worst team in the NFL, lost to uh, the Miami Dolphins. Oh, I'm sorry. 31 to 16. All right. All right. The Falcons, the Dirty Birds, beat up on the Texans to win with the last second field goal, 21 to 19. The Jaguars, who played the second game in a row in London, beat the Bills, 25 to 20. Titans lost to the Colts, 23 to 16. The Bears, for their first win of the year, tore up the Commanders 40 to 20 on Thursday Night Football. And saving the best for the last, the Lions beat the Panthers 42 to 24. I'm going to give it to them. They both. They're for real this year, Jim. I'm going to give it to them. And as a new, a new 10 second, I just want to give my top five. And I'm going to go 49ers. I'm going to go with the other undefeated team, the Eagles. The Chiefs, the Dolphins, and then the Lions. That's my top five of this week. All righty. Mm-hmm. All righty. And let's see. We have one. Just quickly about March Madness, I'm going to – Mentioned the fact that Michigan University of Michigan coach Dewan Howard underwent a successful heart procedure where he had a uh, valve. He had worked on a vat. They worked on a valve on him, and he's doing better. And hopefully, he'll be back in four to six weeks for the season. But I'm just as Dewan being a Fab Five member. I'm just you know hoping and praying that he's okay and they got him got it in time. Sounds good. All righty, all righty. We'll pick back up. College basketball right around the corner. And uh, we'll take 30 seconds. Thanks a lot, Jim. Great job. And uh, we'll be back with Coach Simon Jacob, Oakwood University's athletic director and the men's basketball head coach of the Ambassadors. We'll be right back to introduce him. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports in HBCU Athletic. And we want to welcome those engaged, about 10 to 15 of you who are listening on the line tonight, as well as those in the studio. Simon Jacob is entering his eighth season on the men's basketball coach at Oakwood University. In that time, Jacob has transformed the ambassadors into one of the best small college programs in the country. Oakwood has won two United States Athletic Association National Championships over the last 10 years, including two under Jacob, and was runner-up in 2018. During his coaching career, Jacob began his career as a middle school coach at Oakland Adventist Academy in 2004. Three years later, he moved up to the head varsity coach position for two seasons. After that, Coach Jacob became an assistant with the Oakland University men's team from 2009 to 2014. Helping the ambassadors win their first USCAA national championship in 2012. Jacob, Coach Jacobs moved over 
to the women's side for one year, serving as the head coach during the 2014 and 2015 season. Next year, he was named the men's coach at Oakwood University. Playing career, Jacob played one year at Oakwood for the 1986-1987 season. His family, Jacob's his wife, Teresa, are the proud parents of two children, Diana and Simon Jr. Please join me in welcoming to the show Coach Simon Jacob of the Oakwood Ambassadors. Coach, how you doing? Speak on up. All righty. All righty. Great, great. I want to say a few things before we get into basketball about Oakwood University, a faith that I am, of course, part of and very, very, very proud of this school. Um, this jewel of a school sits in Huntsville, Alabama. Let me just give you a few of their alumni. The chaplain of the United States Senate, Barry Black. Active pastor, singer, songwriter, Clifton Davis. World-renowned pastor and singer and president of U.S. Dream Academy, Whitley Phipps. Brian McKnight, Claude McKnight, Mervyn Warren, Little Richard, and I believe Philip Michael Thomas went there as well. And then I just quiet, world renowned, known as the AO International Known and Ambassadors. And that's just to get in the scratch a little of the surface of what this great school has produced. But coaches, that's talk basketball first. And how did you? Did you go to Oakwood coach yourself for the full four years? Uh, I did, Dr. Butts. I actually uh, enrolled in Oakwood in 1975, if you can believe it. <laughs> okay. And then uh, at the time, you played a year while you were there, correct? No, that, that, that's not correct. If, if I okay. was to be honest, I did two tours at Oakwood University. I, I came, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and shout outs to Louisville for that great yeah. win against yeah. Notre Dame. But uh, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and I came as a freshman in 75, and uh, I was not ready for college. And so mm -hmm. they said, well, you need to take a break and come back when you're ready. So yeah. I came back yeah. in 78, and at that time uh, we started, the Oakwood University started the uh, the Oakwood Ambassador Basketball Program, and at that time we were a recruitment program, and so that's when I played uh, my first year at Oakwood University. I see. I see. Okay. okay. And, and by the way, what did you study? What did you study at Oakwood? Well, I, I studied uh, the ministry. I studied psychology. I studied education, but uh, I got my degree in organizational management. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, number one, you came back and you got it done. And that's most important. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, tell us about you won some ch championships. Uh, not championship. Tell us about that team in 2012, and then we'll come on up to where we are now. Athletic Wise Oakwood. Okay. Well, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, work at the Boys and Girls Club, and there was a young man there whose name was Tony McGinnis. Uh, he went on to play uh, basketball at Texas A&M. Uh, when the 
coaching job became vacant at Oakwood University, Tony McGinnis asked me to come on and assist him with that program. And so uh, as an assistant coach, uh, I learned a lot from uh, the young man that I had mentored. He mentored me in the coaching profession, and uh, I was uh, privileged to be a part of the championship in 2012. Mm. Okay. Now, um, Oakwood University, the ambassadors, and I love that name. We're going to get into what it stands for in a second. Um, is now a part of the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, an NAIA school. When did the change come that Oakwood started offering scholarships to go there? Because it wasn't always so. I played at Fisk in the 80s, and I remember playing Oakwood. Open school. So tell us when did this transition take place? Well, as you mentioned before, uh, we had uh, success in an uh, organization, the USCAA, and mm -hmm. uh, because we had had that success, we thought it was time to look at uh, uh, taking the next step, which for us was the NAIA. And so mm -hmm. uh, we explored it. Uh, they looked at the schedule that we had been playing, uh, which was basically an NAIA schedule. And so uh, uh, we reached out to them and uh, we applied. And uh, the last school year, the 22-23 uh, school year was our first year as, as uh, four members of the NAIA program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and Coach, um, to give a perspective to our audience that we have listening, Oakwood University is the only HBCU university that is um, run by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, or SDA Church. So it's a very Christian, very religious, organized, and, and, and mission-based driven school. Is that correct? That, that is absolutely correct. Uh, uh, it is a faith-based institution. And uh, uh, to give some insight, uh, sure. uh, you sure. know, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Adventist uh, organization has been reluctant uh, to embrace athletics, uh, mm -hmm. not because, you know, they, they have anything against uh, us playing the sports, but uh, too many times the the attitudes that are displayed, the unsportsmanlike uh, uh, conduct uh, when playing the game, uh, they were very concerned about that. And, and to be honest with you, uh, uh, I am mindful that a lot of times when the game is played that, uh, you know, athletes cross the line. So uh, I was very intentional uh, about uh, – uh, my approach to the game. I, I just believe that, uh, you know, that we could play the sports uh, and be Christians also. And, mm -hmm. I, and I know a lot of organizations uh, uh, embrace that also. But I, I, as, as a head coach, a lot of times I think that they drive uh, the approach to the game. And I was, uh, I was uh, very much intentional about uh, trying to uh, – uh, to uh, have a program that promoted uh, God first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Coach, uh, Coach, I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm going to come to 
Marlo for the next question, and then Jim. I want them to jump in as well. But, but Coach, I want to uh, bring this up. On the campus, you also have an academy, not just the university, but an academy. A few years ago, your academy men's team or high school boys team were very good. They were supposed to play for the championship in the city. But because the games were on the Sabbath and they refused to play, their season was cut short, even though they were the best basketball in that area. And I think that is at the core of what Oakwood stands for. And those young men are winners. Tell us about that incident. I think uh, Judy Dent is the principal down there now. She used to be up here in the North, the Allegheny's Conference. But I remember reading that article. Tell us about that and, and how that ties into being the ambassadors like you guys are. Well, uh, Judy Dent is, is the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the head of the academy. Uh, but the head coach was a, a gentleman by the name of Mr. Melvin Allen. Uh, Melvin mm -hmm. Allen and I are good friends. Uh, prior to him coming on, as you mentioned before, I had the opportunity uh, of coaching uh, the basketball program at the academy. My, my son uh, attended the academy, and, and I wanted the opportunity to help out uh, coaching with him, so I, I had the opportunity of coaching him. But uh, as we fast forward, uh, Mr. Allen was, was the man for the program uh, at that time. Melvin Allen played at Jacksonville State, and he was part of the Jacksonville State team that won the NCAA uh, Division II championship. And wow. so uh, so he was the head coach there. And, uh, you know, if anybody knows Mr. Allen, uh, when he comes to basketball, uh, he's going to bring the best out of you. So he did a good job uh, with that program and – like you mentioned, uh, they did well. Uh, they they got into the playoffs, and uh, and they had an opportunity to move to the next level. Uh, but because uh, of their uh, decision uh, not to play on on our Sabbath, uh, they were not allowed uh, to play that game, which was scheduled to be on on, on the Sabbath. They tried mm -hmm. to see uh, if they could. Uh, 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 make arrangements to play it after the sunset and the other schools that would be uh, 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 involved in that uh, agreed to, to work out something to allow them to do that. But uh, I guess the powers that be uh, felt like it, it would be too much to, to accommodate that. And so they, they were not allowed to participate that year. But as yep. you know, the next, the, yep. the following year, uh, yep. uh, yep. uh, the governor got involved, and and some other people got involved, and and uh, and so they 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 uh, revisited the policy, and it was said that uh, uh, they would allow institutions or schools to play, uh, uh, and would not uh, jeopardize their their convictions, uh, and so. Uh, this past year, they they went to the championship. Uh, they did lose. Uh, it, it came down to the wire, but they they represented Oakwood uh, uh, in a, in a good light. Mm -hmm. 
young people standing up for what they believe, though. I believe in that. Give them a hand. Mm -hmm. And coaches as well. Dr. Kemp, next question for you and then Jeff. Then Jeff. All right, Coach Simon, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you on. My question is, what are some of the challenges, if any, being both the athletic director and the head coach of the men's basketball team? Oh, that, that, is, a, that is a great question. Um, biggest challenge, well, number one, uh, the if I had to choose between the athletic director and the head coaching job, it would be the head coaching job because I, I just love uh, being able to uh, uh, get in that locker room and get on that court. But however, uh, uh, at this time, uh, I, I felt that it was important uh, as we transition on the next stage that I, I assume uh, uh, add to that role the athletic director position. The challenge with that is is that uh, it's easy for me to root for all the programs, and but it's important that all the programs understand I want their success just as much as I want the the basketball program success. And so sometimes uh, I may have to uh, uh, take a, how can I say that? I, I may have to uh, uh, do a little bit more to show them uh, that I, I do uh, want their, their program to succeed as, as much as I want the men's program. Uh, the other part of it is that sometimes uh, uh, I, I have to have uh, a good support uh, cast with me with the uh, basketball program because sometimes I, I have to get on on the road and, and go and, and meet with uh, uh, potential partners with our athletic programs because uh, uh, we are I have challenges when it comes to the budget and so I, mm -hmm. I have to go out there and try to you know to, to get some money so uh, so th that is probably the biggest challenge for me right now is to be able to uh, 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 to to give the men's pass basketball program uh, the, the attention that they need, and at the same time do what I feel like is in the best interest of the overall program. And I mm -hmm. and I know at some point in time uh, uh, I'm going to have to make a decision uh, to to give up one of them. Uh, we're not there yet, but uh, I, it's coming. Mm -hmm. Jim? Uh, thank you for coming on, Coach Jacob. And I have a question about, is it a help or a hindrance being a seven-day Adventist school in terms of recruiting athletes to play sports there? Oh, that's, that's again, that's, that's a great question. Uh, you would think... Uh, I guess I would have thought that it would be a challenge to get uh, uh, quality players uh, to attend our program that don't necessarily uh, share all the beliefs that we have, but uh, that has not been the case. Uh, in fact, I found out that uh, anytime you have success with a program, people want to be a part of a program that is, that is successful. Uh, so that, that, that has been one of the things, selling points for our program. The other thing is that uh, uh, the style of play 
and now I'm talking about the men's basketball program. The style of play that we play, I think, uh, is 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 something that uh, that a lot of kids uh, love to be a part of. Uh, I'm not a, a coach that you know that likes to to run a ton of plays. Now we we, we are a disciplined program, but we 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 want them to have fun, and so I, I think that anybody that comes to our program. Uh, soon realizes that we want to have fun. Uh, basketball is is not everything. Uh, uh, I, I it, it's more important that they give me their best. But uh, and, but it's it, but they know that I want to win. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is they're giving their best and then uh, representing the school in a good light. Coach, you up. Coach, you up. You're coming to the Gulf Coast, and you look up, you coach against uh, Coach Struthers from Tugaloo, made to the Elite Eight last year at NEI. Pretty good coach. You look up, you coach against Eddie Anderson, the number two pick in the NBA draft of 1991. This conference is pretty competitive. What's your opinion of the conference? Uh, and the conference is growing. They've added two teams this year. What do you think the direction of the Gulf Coast is going as far as the men and uh, the great job that Dr. Kiki Barnes is doing? Oh, I, I, I love it. Uh, as I mentioned before, I, I grew up in, in, in a, a basketball city. Now it's just a, a sports city in Louisville. And I had the opportunity uh, of growing up uh, with uh, – Daryl Griffin, who who won the yeah. the NCAA yeah. championship a while back, and and some other uh, gentlemen uh, that did well in the sports, and I played with them, and I, I'm competitive, and yeah. uh, and so I, I I'm I'm not really intimidated by the fact that we're playing that I'm coaching against some some quality coaches. Todd Day, uh, but yeah. let me tell you one thing yeah. that did happen is that we. Uh, prior to coming to the conference, we played Georgetown University. They were ranked number one. Uh, they had won the championship, and at the time we played them, uh, we played them at their place, uh, lost to them single digits. It was probably about three-point ball game with a few minutes left in that game. Uh, we went to the free throw line 15 times. They went 35 times, and I felt if that we were on a neutral court, we win that basketball game. Uh, mm -hmm. And so at that time, I, I knew that we could compete on the NAIA level. I think that Tougaloo, uh, what they accomplished last year is good for the conference uh, because mm -hmm. we're all coming from Tougaloo, and, uh, uh, and and that only makes the conference better. And, you know, yeah. so as, as an HBCU program, uh, I, I, I'm excited about, you know, what we can do, not just in basketball but in the other sports also, but of course, basketball is the the, the poster child of, of the conference. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, and I'm going to come to Dr. Kemp again. But Coach, what do you think about traveling to the Virgin Islands, right, <laughs> for a game? How your kids feel? Is is this being recorded? No. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. We do have a plan. We do have it to get downloaded. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> no, um, uh, the 
the students, the athletes, they love it, you know, to, uh, to go to the Virgin Islands. Uh, if it was a vacation for me, I think I would love it also. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the, the reality of it is, is that we, uh, there, there is positive and is negative. The positive, it is the Virgin Islands. Uh, the yeah. negative is, is yeah. that you know it's it's a budget, uh, it's a budget killer yeah. for you know for yeah. for our program as it is right now. Uh, but hopefully, uh, uh, you know, if we generate uh, the the interest. And our fan base, and if we put out a good product, hopefully the the financial part won't be an issue. But right now, we have to consider that. Yeah. Well, let's go, Jim, and then we'll go, Marlon. Jim and Marlon. Jim. Coach, I love the way that you began your career in the middle school, went to high school, assistant, and then went to the uh, women's head women's coach. And then the head men's coach. What got you into coaching? Uh, what got me into coaching is uh, initially, like I said, I, I, I just love the game of basketball. But uh, for 20 years, I worked with kids that uh, committed crimes that were on probation. And um, my job in, in with that organization was basically I was over the, the PE, the recreation piece. And I also uh, had the opportunity to do, do a little counseling while I was doing that. Uh, I felt like that sports, uh, and, and specifically basketball, was a, a, a great opportunity to uh, teach life lesson uh, on the court. And, uh, uh, and, it, and it, it was something that I felt very comfortable with. Uh, and so, and the other thing about sport, it, it just, uh, uh, it, it deals with every uh, walk of life, the rich, the poor. Uh, they mm -hmm. can come together, uh, and uh, it's, 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 it's a marvelous opportunity, like I said, to teach life's lesson. And I, and I must say that uh, because uh, I'm an advocate of putting God first, I also thought that it's a, a, a good opportunity to, uh, to teach the values uh, biblical values and and, mm -hmm. uh, and apply them to the sport because you know you, you got to take care of your body the the bible promotes that uh it all the bible promotes uh you know unselfishness that's part of the game and so there there are so many things that i connect uh with with religion with god in the sports and so for me uh that was something that worked for me and i felt comfortable with mm -hmm. Dr. Kemp. Nice. Thanks, Coach. Um, I guess my question was, you kind of answered some of it. Um, how do you continue to keep your student athletes motivated? I guess going to the Virgin Islands is one thing that'll help them stay motivated, huh? <laughs> well, I, I try to recruit guys that want to win. So I, I, that, if that's not, if they're not motivated by that, I don't know if I can do anything about that. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, and at the same time, uh, I, I keep them motivated by, I, I challenge them in, in when it comes to conditioning. I, I deal with young men, and young men uh, uh, like to be challenged. And so, I, you know, I, I challenge them in the practice. And uh, I, I kind of set that bar high. 
And so yeah. I, I think that yeah. that's one thing to keep it motivated. Mm-hmm. Coach, the school has, I'm just giving a little bit of demographics before we get off of here. You have about 1,400 or so students, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And then uh, about 41% men, 59% women. Uh, I know you have these majors, school arts and sciences, business and information systems, education, social sciences, nursing, health professions, and theology. Those are the big big ones that you have. And then you have a couple of graduate programs as well. So um, it sounds like Oakwood, in fact, I know Oakwood is everything you need for a student, whether they're basketball player or not, that if somebody wants to send their child, not only going to be a winner in their sport, but they're going to be a winner in life. And uh, their alumni and their, their record, their reputation of this school, uh, treasure speaks for itself. I think that's fair to say. When you say, Coach? Absolutely. 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 Uh, the, the education there, you're going to get a quality education. Uh, I think that uh, Oakwood does have a reputation uh, that uh, when they release you, uh, you're prepared to go out into the workforce and, and impact the workforce in a positive uh, a way. Uh, I think that Oakwood uh, uh, doesn't have to take a back seat to anybody when it comes to uh, producing. I agree. I agree. I agree. Coach, we're going to have to have you back. The time has flown. I know you're getting ready for basketball season, so I want to get you on before you got to think of things too much. But uh, definitely want to wish you luck on the season and uh, all that you're doing down there. Oakwood University at that great, great, great school. Okay? All righty. Thank you, Doctor, and thank you, everybody, for having me. It's, it's a, a deed of honor to come on, and, and, and I appreciate it. All righty. Thank you for coming. Now, thank you, Paul. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And getting ready for next week, as we often do. Next week, we have a special program. Miss Monique Travis is coming from this church here in Somerset, New Jersey. EBCLG is the name of the Baptist Church. She's gonna talk about scholarship ministry. This is a church that hosts a college fair. We're promoting about two or three college fairs on our show this year to make sure the young folks know where to go, where to get the information on the HBCU, how to get the scholarship money. And Monique, Travis, and Crystal, are coming on the show. We met these young ladies about three weeks ago at a college fair, so you don't want to miss it. We're always trying to make sure our young folks can get the opportunity. So we will see everybody back in about 168 hours from now. And again, go Oakwood Ambassadors. Thank you so much. Coach Jacob Simon. Thank you, Coach.